O creator of the universe, who has set the stars in the heavens and causes the sun to rise and set, shed the light of your wisdom into our minds. Fill our thoughts with loving knowledge of you, that we may bring your light to others. Amen. So I was raised in a religious tradition that required a public commitment of faith. Now, this practice usually took place during the invitation on the Sunday morning. And it was done in front of the entire congregation when the person making the commitment was very young, say between seven and nine years old, thereabout. The church ultimately call this the age of discernment or the age of accountability wherein a person was considered to be able to distinguish between right and wrong. Well, I'm not so sure about the right and wrong part, but I did walk down that church aisle on a Sunday morning at a very young age. And before I began that walk, I remember thinking that from the vantage point of my family's pew toward the rear of the church, the aisle itself appeared to be about a mile long. (laughs) And I was terrified. But I made it down to the front of the sanctuary, And I don't remember the words I said to the waiting preacher, but it must have worked. As the preacher proudly announced to the congregation that I had made my profession of faith and that I was saved. And I was baptized soon after into the community of the church. And what a wonderful community it was and is. It was like miraculously gaining cousins, aunts and uncles, granddads and grandmas. There were church sports, youth activities, concerts, Sunday school classes, revivals, and my favorite wonderful picnic lunches under the huge oak trees on the church lawn, complete with an adult guarding the dessert table from the kids. <laughs> now, in the small southern mill town where I grew up, the church was the center of the town's spiritual, social, and cultural life. Heck, we wanted to be at church because all our friends were there. But whatever our tradition, we all at some point bear witness to our faith. And as Episcopalians, we're a bit more by the book. The book, you know the book. We profess through our baptism, our catechism, and our confirmation. Baptism serves as a cleansing, a rebirth, and initiation. In confirmation class, we learn about the faith and the workings of the church. Then at confirmation, we bear witness to our mature faith and are accepted into the fellowship, the greater community of believers. Which brings us to Simon Peter and his beautiful profession of faith from Matthew. Now when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others say Jeremiah are one of the prophets. But what about you? He asked, who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Now, we know from Matthew that Peter was a fisherman. And this fact alone tells us a lot about him. From this, we know that his work was hard physical labor. We know that he could handle a boat. He was not afraid of water. And Matthew 8, 14 offers some more information about Peter. He owned a house, and he was married because he had a mother-in-law. We really can think of Simon Peter as an average guy of his time. He worked hard, 
had a home, had a family and friends. And from passages about him, we learn that he tended to misspeak, that he's impulsive, that he could be stubborn and unmoving. He had moments of pride and arrogance, and his faith was shaky at times. All in all, he sounds pretty human, right? Mm -hmm. So I found an interesting article entitled, The 13 Failures of Peter. And so I have an abbreviated list for you here. Firstly, this is a story that's found in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Peter, filled with selfish ambition, argues with the other disciples about which one of us is greatest. Second one, Peter and the other disciples try to keep children and babies away from Jesus. That's from Mark. From Matthew, Peter and the disciples misinterpret Jesus' words about the yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees and think that Jesus is talking about bread. Peter fails to stand beside Jesus and falls asleep in the Garden of Gethsemane the night before Jesus is arrested and tried. And then on the morning of the trial and the crucifixion, Peter denies Jesus three times. But then, despite his brokenness and his essential humanness, Jesus blesses Simon Peter powerfully after his profession. Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. You are Peter, and on this rock, the rock of your faith, I will build my church, my community. And let's hold on to that word a bit, community. And many preachers have said this before, but the question becomes, in the here and now, today, who do people say that this Jesus of Nazareth is? Is he someone who came to offer forgiveness and salvation to just a select few? Do they say he came to give us our heart's desire and provide good health and to, to attend our very, excuse me, our every material need and want? R is the word on the street that he was simply a great spiritual teacher. Not unlike the sages and prophets who appeared before and after, who came to offer us life lessons and provide us a moral code to live by. But most importantly, we, the body of believers, who do we say that he is? So in a recent book, The Great Dechurching, the authors explore the reasons why so many Americans are abandoning church attendance. And the statistics are not encouraging. In the past 25 years, some 40 million people have stopped attending church, which represents around 12% of the U.S. population. Some of the reasons stem from religious abuses and a more general moral corruption in churches, mostly an indictment of church leaders who fail to address abuse in their midst. But the authors point to a more mundane reason for the great dechurching. It's just the way American society works these days. 
Workism reigns supreme. The focus is on professional achievement. 60 to 70 hour work weeks are common, coupled with lengthy commutes. Young couples are caught between work and child rearing, soccer games, dance lessons, school activities, together with normal tasks of maintaining a household. And church attendance becomes just another item on a long checklist. Confronting these issues, the authors provide a different approach for our modern church. And quoting from an article in The Atlantic by Jake Metter, who's a blogger and author of Mere Orthodoxy, he says, what can churches do in such a context? In theory, the Christian church should be an antidote to all that. What is most needed in our time is a community marked by sincere love, sharing what they have from each according to their ability and to each according to their need. Eating together regularly, generously serving neighbors, and living lives of quiet virtue and prayer. A healthy church can be a safety net in the harsh American economy by offering its members material assistance in time of need, bills after a baby is born, money for rent after a layoff. Perhaps more importantly, it reminds people that their identity is not in their job or how much money they make. They're children of God, loved and protected, and infinitely valuable." End quote. Sharing, serving, prayer and quiet virtue, quiet virtue, love and acceptance, the people of God coming together, sharing fellowship and food, communal worship, community. Does this sound a lot like St. Andrews to you? It certainly does to me. But my point, and I do have one, is this. Back to the question, who do we say that he is? We profess that he, Jesus Christ, is the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And consider this. In doing so, don't we become as Peter some 2,000 years ago? Here, in these latter days, like Peter, average and imperfect humans, aren't we the rocks? the faithful ones on which Christ builds his church, his beloved community. Now mull that over for just a moment. And then try this exercise. Imagine Jesus speaking to you directly, to you directly. You, insert your name, are the rock upon which I build my church. You, Arlene, are the rock upon which I build my church. You, Bill, are the rock upon which I build my church. And I can't mention every name, but I think you get the idea. So we continue together with God's help in building community, an extended family with many aunts and uncles, cousins, grandparents, brothers and sisters, a place of picnics under the trees, a community of learning and worship of rest and renewal, a center of love and acceptance, and a place where, heck, we want to be because our friends are here. And should you have friends that we don't know yet, 
Why not ask them to visit with us? And in closing, let me play, pay tribute to a true rock of St. Andrew's Church who we lost this week. Now, Dick Morrison was a friend and a role model. He was a man of integrity, a throwback to the days when a man's word was his bond. He was a true gentleman. Dick was an avid golfer, and he was a man of strong opinions and the willingness to share them. <laughs> now, Dick and Kay are founding members of this parish going back to the early 60s when the sole building was a tidy white carpenter gothic church in the midst of the Arlington jungle. Dick and Kay's service in giving to St. Andrews over the years cannot be overstated. And Dick took the Bill My Church charge very seriously. It's largely due to Dick's giving of his time, his talents, and treasure that we can worship in this beautiful sanctuary. Because going back almost 30 years ago, Dick headed up the building committee that oversaw the expansion of that tiny white church that I mentioned before into the beautiful facility we enjoy today. Rest in peace, Dick. Well done, good and faithful servant. And following Dick's example and Christ's command, may we continue in the essential work of serving, of giving and sharing, we faithful rocks, building Christ's church, his and our beloved community. A hurting world needs us, and Christ is counting on us. Amen.